So we both we both have these books in our hands. These um, national best-selling books. The cryptic national bestseller. Um, did you take notes the first time? I did not. I okay, just, well, we both took copious notes this time. What's the name of this book? The name of this book is Why Men Love Bitches. That's controversial. It sure is. The B word. And you cannot ignore the word bitches on the cover because... It is written in lipstick. In an embossed font. With a drop shadow. And a highlight. So it's there's no avoiding that. It is in your face. Tagline, from doormat to dream girl, a woman's guide to holding her own in a relationship. Well, that sounds positive. It sure does. It's by Sherry Argoff. There's a lovely picture of her on the back. She is a blonde. She is very coy looking. She's wearing a black off the shoulder uh, shirt of some type. Um, she reminds me of our high school senior portraits. Yes. And she is... Uh, Not just because of her bangs, but... Well, when this was first written, the first publication was in 2000. So, and she's about our age. She's a couple years younger. Mm -hmm. So that would put her at... She's 22 in this. 22. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Because the insights in this book are far reaching. She's an old soul. Wide ranging. Yes. We're going to talk about Sherry at the end. We are. So uh, why did you pick this up, Barbara? Because oh. you bought it and then you recommended it and I ran out and I bought it. Because of the name, right? Yeah. How, I don't, could, how could you not pick up a book? I'm like trying that? to remember. I think this name at that age in my 20s would have been... Um, like a hot poker in my eyeball to read. Okay. I can't imagine me going saying like, that's the book for me. Yeah. That, that's a book that really speaks to me. But I do remember where I was at that point in my life. I just broken up with someone I'd been in a relationship for a year with. Can we give this person a name so we know who we're talking about? Yeah, sure. Because we're going to be talking about a lot of different people and we don't want to get confused. No real names though, right? Nope. How about Curtis? Curtis sounds good. Curtis was um, very charismatic, way further in his career than me at the time. And uh, I think I was attracted to him because he was just so, like, his energy levels were so high. And he he, he bounces around. Literally. He's, yes. And I thought that was brilliant. But me, um, being a natural introvert, and, you know, you're, you would say you're an introvert too, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're introverts and we've found a way to express ourselves through our art, through something like Lucha Libre. Well, see, the thing about Mexican wrestling is you don't have to talk to anyone while you're doing it. That's you can, right. You can point at people and they'll cheer for you. Oh, that's the best. you just surrounded by uh, hundreds and hundreds of people. All you have to do is point and everybody responds to you immediately with positive energy. Awesome. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. It's kind of what everyone's dream life would be, right? Yeah. And, and you don't even have to say anything. No conversation needed. Yeah. Some requisites you have to wear, you know, a tight, uh, flashy outfit would be helpful. And the girls also have to wear some skimpy clothes. <laughs> we, <laughs> and, oh, and, you know, and then there's all the fun of, of learning how to wrestle and just the, the culture of it. It was just, it was an amazing. And we were knee deep in that while right. you were in this relationship. That's right. Yes. But that's not an everyday thing. You go to a show and you're that person. But when you come home or when you go to your job, you know, nobody there knew that I sign autographs, um, take Did, pictures of people. Could you and, point to Curtis and have him cheer at you? Oh, that would have been the best. That's kind of what our relationship was. The opposite of that. I mean, he, he was an everyday showman instead of a professional showman. And I'm just, let me just point out real quick. One of the big differences, which I think I alluded to was having been with my husband the entire time that I was a performer, I was just me. I was Vera. Mm -hmm. You in the dating world were BB oh, Pooh Bell. That's right. Which is not something I ever registered. Right. But I saw it time and again because your boyfriends would come up to me and go, I'm so happy that I get to be with BB Pooh Bell. 
That just blows my mind. It's it's insane because what is my response to that? You do understand you're with a human woman and not a cartoon character. <laughs> and if anyone knows that, uh, probably my identical twin sister. Yeah, you are a superhero, but Aww. in a way that's not. <laughs> do you think I'm a superhero because I'm goofy? Did I make you laugh? <laughs> I try and make Vera laugh every chance I get. I know, I love it. I put on private performances in public for Vera. I know, it's amazing. <laughs> It would, I, I registered it as a problem. I don't know if you did, but I, again, man after man would come up to me and just uh, usually drunk or high, you know, or whatever, you know, at a party situation is what I'm trying to describe. They're uh-huh. feeling great. They come up to me and they go, I just want to tell you that your sister makes me so happy. I have, I can't believe that I guess you her. I can't, I'm with, I'm with, I'm with baby football. <laughs> You know, what I wanted to say every time was come up to me and say, I can't believe I get to make your sister so happy. That's what I wanted to hear. Anyway, let's get back to the book. Well, thank you, Vera, for giving some very flattering backstory to this. You're welcome. I wish I could take like 5% of that and just revel in it. But that to me, 100% sounds unhealthy. Yeah. I have a confession, which is that... Every relationship after the first time I was married, and one of the reasons we broke up was that he wanted kids and I was not ready. Which would have put you at what age? Mid-20s. Yeah, I wasn't ready either. Yeah, but that was the last time I was with someone who expressly wanted children. Mm. And so, of course, in the back of my mind, every person after that... I was thinking, am I get, would this guy want to have kids with me? Because I know I do want to have kids at the right time. Yeah, baby, baby Fudel. <laughs> I guess we can have 20 kids. I mean, that's clearly not anyone. Can we wrestle? Oh, can, we, okay. <laughs> can we wrestle with them? Why would I date consistently date people? <laughs> clearly. <laughs> I didn't see it. Anyway, I would wonder, did they want to have kids? Uh-huh. I don't want to be in an unhealthy relationship. I'm not going to find that flattering because that goes against this goal that's in the very back of my mind. These are all subconscious things that I didn't realize until much later. Mm-hmm. But anyway, back to Curtis. Yes, that's probably, I would imagine that was him too. Um, but I never got to see that or enjoy that. All I saw was his big personality. Okay. Also, there were drugs involved. It was, it was that kind of just celebratory, artistic, wild lifestyle that I just couldn't keep up with. Uh, I felt like I lost traction because this was clearly not for me, but I didn't want to give up on the relationship. Who does though? You know, that's many, many people stay in way worse relationships because why give up on something? Yeah. And especially after a divorce early in my life, I did not want to give up on anything again because I felt terrible about that. Yeah. And I felt like a failure. So I didn't want to do that again. So I hung on and got mad a lot because things weren't working. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because I want things to change. I know. I did not feel like a dream girl. I felt like a doormat. So that that book well, appealed to me. So I thought I, I would... some news for you. Uh-huh. I got yes. a little guide break right it to, here. Break it to me soft. <laughs> if you read this book, you can go from doormat to dream girl. <laughs> Nothing in the middle. Nothing in... Not reality girl. Actually, you know what? This dream girl tagline is a good indication of what's in the book. I think. Let's talk about some things we liked about this yeah, book. Yeah, okay. Because we, on first read, I just read it and I was like, yeah, there's some stuff in here. Well, when you're younger, also, you take an, a published book that is a national a bestseller. National Let me best- repeat that a national bestseller yeah. on what list I do not know or by what metrics, but you, you take it as like, oh, an adult wrote this who very ironically was younger than us, according to 
Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Anyway, so do you, let's talk about some positive things. So what, what do you have to say? Uh, so one of the devices that she uses in this book are attraction principles. Oh, yeah. And by the time we get to this chapter, we're on attraction principle 76. And the first one for this chapter is he'll never respect you as being able to hold your own unless you can stand on your own two feet financially. Now, I don't entirely agree with that. The whole thing about respect is a little weird, but um, it, it makes sense. You know, she goes on to say, this is what many mothers tell their daughters. If a woman gives up her independence and becomes financially dependent on a man, she'll have far fewer choices in life. That is true for anything. If you're relying on anybody for, for money, you're going to be dependent on them and you're not going to have a lot of choices. I think that's that's true. That's pretty good. Yeah. And I, I think for an older generation is probably News. spot on. Yeah. Right? Not, I mean, the generation even before our parents or maybe our parents' generation, we were not raised that way. No. Everyone our... worked. But, uh, you know, we also come from an artistic family, so I think it's a different thing. You work at jobs you want to work at. Um, she also, a little later on, she uh, says, I've also seen women who are too nice loan money to men. Usually it's the women who are struggling who don't think twice about handing out their hard-earned money. And I've seen that in action. I have not done that. That's a crazy one. That's more prevalent, I think, in our generation. That yeah. is something that we that I see a lot. Because women often take responsibility and sometimes they get taken advantage of. Why? Of I don't know. Is it the caretaker thing? Where does that come from? I don't know. Having babies. She also talks about, uh, she gives an example and she gives many examples of the hundreds or perhaps thousands of women and men that she's interviewed for oh, this yeah, book. Oh, yeah, yeah. Money can also be a telling barometer of where a man is coming from or what a man's intentions are. One woman I know named Carla dated a man named Guy. That's convenient. <laughs> who made it very clear that he couldn't afford to pay for dates. Guy always had an elaborate explanation as to why he couldn't pay. Each time they went out, it was a Dutch treat. This one this one hit a, hit a chord with me uh -huh. because there was one period in my life where I dated and it was in the middle of a terrible relationship where I'd gotten dumped and we, you had a friend. Wait, what's his name? You know, I am going to, I'm going to fuller disclose that we actually sat down, wrote out every single person we've been involved with and gave them nicknames to protect the innocent and the not innocent. And when so. you say nickname, we didn't call them like, you know, hey, this guy works at a burger joint. Let's call him French fries. No, mm -hmm. this guy, his <laughs> name was Ben. His name is now John. <laughs> So, and how did we do that? Uh, there's a bookcase right behind my head and she picked out random names. So if you hear us talking about Camus, okay. So the person I'm about to reference, his name we've decided is Johnny with an H. Uh, Johnny and I uh, were thrown together, introduced by my sister and her friend, a friend that we'd actually had for many, many years, who actually, oh geez, let's call it this guy, Ralph. Ralph, we met when we were 15 at a coffee shop. He was 18. He told me I was beautiful and it really... Uh, changed my life. But did he hit on you? I think he knew that he was 18 and I was 15 and he sort of backed off. Okay, that's going to be another topic. Sure will. <laughs> and that coffee shop was called Mad Hatter. Yes, we're trying to let you know that we've been very cool for a very long yeah, time exactly. in Los Angeles. So... so there you go. Anyway, his friend Johnny um, had also recently been dumped viciously dumped in the same way that I was viciously dumped. So of course we were destined to go out together and we went out. It is so hard to listen to any of these stories or even tell any of these stories with hindsight because that, what you just described, mm -hmm. there is no possible outcome for that, but <laughs> something terrible. There's just no, there's and no surprise twist. Married. <laughs> this is going to be very stupid. Did I, did I, 
Did I broadcast that? Did I telegraph <laughs> No, that? you didn't tell. You just you just said some facts. Okay, I said some facts. You know, we may have some younger listeners. We really hope we do. All right, listen up. If you And we hope we have older listeners too. We sure do. Because we're right in the middle. Yeah, we are. If you've been viciously dumped by somebody you adored, don't start dating somebody who's also been viciously dumped by somebody <laughs> they adored and who you're not attracted to or have anything in common with. Just don't do that. Mm-hmm. It's not, not even for like, I gotta well, get my foot back in the toilet. No, that's what that is. (laughs) Tell us the details. How'd it go? All right. So uh, we agreed to go out. He picked me up and took me to a bar. Okay. We sat in a booth. That's normal. Totally normal. Uh What bar? Oh, it was... Good luck? No. The one at the Gaylord? Um, The HMS Bounty. Exactly. Classy joint. Classy joint in Koreatown or Mm -hmm. mid-Wilshire or something like that. He had already let me know he didn't have a ton of cash, which is fine. Um, How did he let you know? uh, Oh, I think he had Five bucks for gas? No, he didn't charge me for gas, but it was interesting. We, we, We were both artists I was not working full-time so I think it was it was it was brought up in various ways but we sat down in this booth and he we ordered drinks and it was great and I drank mine or I was working on it and he ordered a second drink so now I'm thinking well he does have some money he has money for alcohol Mm -hmm. and I think it was around the third drink where I was like hey quick cue how are we getting home because you're wasted right now and he was he backed off you know because you didn't say it like that though how'd you say it I said how are we getting home I I really said how who's do you home wasted did you no okay it was a little it was if this is our first date and you're really putting your best foot forward maybe don't get drunk Mm-hmm. It wasn't dinner and drinks. It was just drinks and drinks. Drinks and drinks. I think we went back to his place, hung out. He didn't make a move, which is fine because... Because he really had to pee. Because <laughs> we didn't actually like each other, I think, was the problem. Yeah. Do you want to know how our relationship ended? Yeah, I really do. I was... Um, he'd called for a third date. And let me just say that my, my wiener was a little limp for him at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So call waiting beeped over and it was my the boyfriend who had dumped me. Uh-huh. asking if he if I could see him because uh-huh. he had heard that I was now seeing somebody else. Which was the point of going out with this person, so. Yeah, well, I guess so. So he'd heard through the grapevine. That I was in a hot and heavy relationship uh-huh. with a sober millionaire. Uh-huh. <laughs> And he uh, he needed to win me back post haste. <laughs> and so I, I clicked back over to, to tell my artist friend, hey, no problem. Let's not do the third date because uh, I think I'm going to get back together <gasps> with my terrible boyfriend. Well, it all worked out. I would say that that dating experience, though you found it negative and unpleasant, served a purpose in that somehow these two, this other man who existed in a completely different social realm found out about it and came running back then you got to find some resolution with him and we'll talk about him more later what's his name his name is it lance could be is it roger or daltrey let me check your bookcase (laughs) it's marlon marlon his name is marlon and marlon and i had another shitty year together after that okay is there a part that you really liked in this book barbara yeah there's a general message in it that Although it's, um, she shares it in sometimes really awkward and I think ill-advised ways. But the, a basic message in this book and what she defines the bitch as is someone who does not lose herself for somebody sure. else. This book is 248 pages long if you count all of the attraction principles of which there are exactly 100. We get to the definition of bitch on page 214. 
bitch, noun, a woman who won't bang her head against the wall, obsessing over someone else's opinion, be it a man or anyone else in her life. She understands that if someone does not approve of her, it's just one person's opinion. Therefore, it's of no real importance. She doesn't try to live up to anyone else's standards, only her own. Because of this, she relates to a man very differently. I don't, differently to what I'm not sure. We're just going to lop off that last sentence because we don't know what it means. We don't. Um, so that was a message I needed to hear, I think, in terms of Curtis. I did not uh, see myself as valuable, that my opinions were important. As much as I fought against being ignored or put on the back burner, like increasingly plans were made without me because when we did go out, I would not be happy about perhaps being quiet the whole night. Why were you quiet the whole night? Well, I am an introvert. I'm a shy personality. I definitely do best one-on-one. Mm-hmm. with someone I need to connect with them about real stuff or about you know about real stuff or about art or like creatively I love a creative partnership I think that's fantastic but you know so it doesn't have to be all emotional it can be can I ask you a question yeah was there any cocaina involved <laughs> in these get-togethers um that that happened yeah and were the ensuing discussions <laughs> would you de- <laughs> would you describe them as uh, enthusiastic perhaps not realistic and as if one is encased in a body cast of bullshit. Yeah, (laughs) because you can't do anything because you're high as a kite and it's four in the morning. You cannot do anything at that point. And everything is the best idea, man. And this is going to happen. We're just going to, as soon as there's tomorrow, yeah, and then we're going to shoot the thing. And I, I know this person. I a great idea for a show. Yeah. Okay, oh, my God, we can get this person. You did that. And you're, oh my God. I'm not judging that in itself. Sure. But there's a point where you realize no one's going to do any of this stuff. And Barbara, I got to say, I've spent many frowny nights when I just was not on the same wavelength as the other people in the room. And that's something sometimes you do when you're younger instead of expressing yourself and going, hey, I, this I'm not into this. I'm going to go home. Instead that- of kind of putting yourself first instead you just get like a little pissy and sit there i'm not saying that you got pissy and sat there did you um you know i I tried really hard because as an introvert you're oftentimes people interpret you as being bitchy yeah so i think i really try to seem like i'm enjoying myself but later i will talk about it because Mm -hmm. i don't like it if i'm repelled by some behavior i will bring it up yeah. Oftentimes I'll save it up. Mm. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. I don't do this as much. And this is something I want to change because, yeah. yes, I did do this in my last relationship. It's very hard for me to process information. I'm an overreactor. Yeah. I'm very okay. sensitive. My last relationship, I learned how to save it up and present it, but without any emotional punching, which was a huge leap forward for me. That's great. But still, I think ultimately you want to bring it up at the time in a way that, you know, that you're being true to your emotions, but you it's about what happened right then instead of what happened throughout your life yeah you know it's not like like, keep it on topic on topic and without you know the without a history behind it you know just like address the thing as it's happening yeah uh, I did not know how to do that. That's so, okay. so I would get upset later. Hey, I would definitely get upset. There are some books out there that we're going to get through. Fear is holding her book up, <laughs> shaking it at me. Okay, which brings up a point that she also really emphasizes, which I don't agree with. It, it goes with what I'm saying, but is n- totally not realistic. And oftentimes she says, basically shut down. Don't express any emotion because then he'll guess that he's fucked up and he'll change his behavior on his own. But the minute you start nagging, he will tune you out. I think it is impossible to shut down. At least for me, I can, there is no place for that stuff to go. It explodes out my butt. She does. That's beautiful. (laughs) It does. It's a shit storm. (laughs) 
She, she does do a lot of talking about sort of this fake it till you make it. Like, yeah. don't be angry. Don't let him see that you're angry or upset. Just, yeah, just be quiet until, until he, he figures it out. Or you just, I don't know. Like, the, I have a lot of question marks surrounding her sections about shoving it deep down and pretending nothing's wrong. Can you read us one of the sections? <sighs> Her chapter on nagging, I like a lot and I hate a lot. What to do when he takes you for granted and nagging doesn't work. What page is this? I want to read along. This is chapter six, Nagging No More. It's 125. Something I love. Early on, she quotes uh, Freud. Side well, note. Here's a quote from Ben Franklin. So. Side note. She quotes a lot of people. She quotes. Oh, ben Franklin's quote is, well done is better than well said. Can I side note our side note? Yeah. Double side note it. We have some questions about Sherry. Like what, Barbara? We're not sure who Sherry is. One of the ways that I've tried to unravel who Sherry might be are by researching her quotes. Are any of them actually correctly attributed? Well, one of them, uh, at the beginning of chapter seven, don't learn the tricks of the trade, learn the trade from anonymous. You look it up in Google, first reference is to this book. Ooh. She quotes John- Wait, is she anonymous? <laughs> Is she anonymous? Is she, like from Reddit? Yes. Whatever? Yes. From Reddit. I don't. Um, she quotes John Churton Collins, who's a British literary critic from the late 1800s, mm -hmm. who Lord Tennyson called a louse in the locks of literature. <laughs> That's beautiful. I'm sorry. This just caught my eye. To get the three-year-old, and she's referring to your boyfriend, to get the three-year-old to run back to mommy. Oh, God. She has to stay just outside his reach. The reason nagging keeps her within his reach, you're so, you're all, as a woman, you're supposed to always be just a little bit outside of their reach. Which yes, sounds that is a, that's... absolutely exhausting yes. for you. Uh -huh. The reason nagging keeps her within his reach, you know, so that he might hug you, is that he senses she is locked down waiting for him. She may be waiting for him to give more, participate more, or be more attentive in some way, but she's still waiting on hold. You're Which, waiting either way, though. You're waiting to see if he comes back. Yeah. Or you're, it's, And it's this a, really struck a chord with me because I have three-year-olds. And what they do is they run around the corner and then they wait to see where you are. So, yes. And it's a little she's insulting. absolutely right about this. No, but, but how can you compare men to three-year-olds? They're not. I don't I have such mixed feelings about it. So do you think she's correct? Is this human nature? Is she yeah, really? I think she actually referenced some psychology here for the first and last time in this chapter. Oh, right. And she might have something. We're the same people we were as children. We just have more financial responsibility and trauma. Oh. And love. Okay. Great experiences too. But the thing I would say that is um, problematic with that is that women do that as well. This yeah. is not just about what men do. So it's, you're, you're placing all the responsibility on women reacting to men instead of it going both ways. Also, something else that stood out is no matter uh, how much you scream at him, he knows you aren't going anywhere. And this made me think of my thing that I do now, which is I jump ship. Because I am going somewhere. I'm going somewhere maybe a little bit too much. Is it, so is that, I can't tell, is that a positive thing? Are you describing something positive? You tell me. I don't know. The way I look at your, the way you deal with relationships now is you've had enough to know when to cut your losses. That's how I look at it. When you describe the pros and cons of a relationship, a current relationship you're having, maybe I'm just projecting, but for me in any situation now, when the cons 
outweigh the pros, it's time to end whatever that situation is. What if you never are in a relationship where the pros outweigh the cons? I, I think relationships are a lot of compromise, but I think if you're listening to your own intuition, if you feel drained and you feel like no matter how much you put into it, you're still going to have this feeling deep inside that what you're dealing with is not satisfactory. I think you're allowed to leave that. I think you have to ask yourself, am I compromising enough? And if the answer is mm. no, then you keep at it. The visual I had with Marlon was there's this bar that we had and I kept lowering it and lowering it and lowering it and lowering it until finally I just stepped over it. Oh, that's good. And walked away. If you keep lowering the bar you kind of got nothing else to work with in your last relationship for example did you feel you were lowering a bar or w what happened the last relationship was remarkable in that there was no bar lowering i actually called it quits why uh, we had a specific exchange that kind of really cemented the decision but let me ask you this though because i think i know the answer was it something that you had discussed on multiple occasions yes and was there any and it was the very first thing that we we had a heated discussion about and he actually initiated the heated discussion because he didn't think his behavior was appropriate so was there any change with any of these discussions and i think you guys were together for like six months mm -hmm. He said specifically to me that he had not fixed the problem. The, fr the first time he brought it up, he said it was a problem. I had no idea it was a problem. He told me about it. And then the last conversation we had, he said, and I'm working on this problem. So, Which sounds positive, but it's something that kind of fundamental element of a relationship sh that should not be present. So doesn't that seem like maybe that person needs to go off and fix that? not in a relationship. Absolutely. Yes. So, so I made the call. It was a very quick call. I said, I cannot do this anymore. And I was proud of myself because normally I would drag that on. I would think about all the positives and there were many. And I, I still think of him fondly. I'm still... And I know him and I think of him fondly as well. Yes. Uh, and I'm sad, but intellectually I knew we were not okay. And I, and I chopped it off. So, I mean, it felt like it, I'm sure to him, it felt like I chopped it off. But there, there are so many people out there. There could be somebody who is perfect fine with that mm -mm. and there could be somebody for you who's not going to do that yeah so why would you guys invest more time when it's not a good fit it's not like you brought it up at the beginning of the week and at the end of the week you said you know what i'm done you put a lot of time into it and it wasn't working yeah. there's nothing wrong with just calling it quits and not engaging in the sunk cost fallacy where you think the more time and energy I put into this, the more that it's worth. It's not. All right. That's a positive. Do you feel bad? No, I don't. I feel better hearing feedback about it because all I feel, all I see is one more failed relationship. I think if compromise will make you feel good about the situation, then you should continue with the relationship. If compromise just means lowering your bar and pretending that something doesn't bother you anymore, mm. that's not. No pretending. I don't have the capacity. Yeah. Because I think if you look inside, I mean, and believe me, there's plenty of stuff that in my marriage, in my very long marriage that I have to go, okay, well, that's not going to happen. We're going to talk about that. Of course we will. But there's so far, there's been no deal breaker. And when I compare that to other relationships I had, where it was just me continually making excuses for why I can live with this, that's, it's boring, like deeply, deeply boring. I, I hear you, sister. <laughs> So did we finish talking about what you liked about the book? Um, I like that. And I like, she does not ever, I don't think she ever uses this word because she probably doesn't understand what it is because she's, she doesn't understand psychology or she's, 
she doesn't see the value in it. She actually says that. Uh, in Nagging No More, she says, pop psychologists would suggest that you shouldn't withhold how you feel. Pop psychologists, I think, is a derogatory term. Mm. They tell you to express yourself. Begin every sentence with, I feel, ask for feedback, then sit in a circle, hold hands, and pass around the Kleenex. Oh, yeah. She's super rude about that. Yeah. And she says, I'm sure on a rare occasion it even works because after spending $20,000 total on a therapist, you can't bear to think it hasn't. But don't kid yourself. No man changes because of couples therapy. Men think of therapy as a form of blackmail coercion with a ransom. We're going to have a couples therapy episode. So she doesn't believe in it. But I think one of her, what she's trying to express, which is something I really believe in, is creating boundaries. And I think that's what she's trying to say when she says stuff your feelings. You know, she was only 22. What did she know? You know, she's writing a national bestseller. I know. I mean, she only interviewed like a thousand men and women for Mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Um, Oh, are real people or imaginary? Just to get that out. uh, Good question. If she wrote this book today, if she existed, she would probably, and she wasn't a 60 year old man. She, um, (laughs) she doesn't want to. Would she be railing against woke people and political correctness? Yes, because her whole book is based on an antiquated... She's. It's based on not her parents if she was 22 and she was a woman and she existed because there's no web presence for her at all and we've tried to get in touch with her and we've tried to find footage of her and, and none exists. three photos of her and they all look exactly the same and they're all 20 years old. Yes, she doesn't exist. She's a man. This is the biggest... We've uncovered the... And this is the not biggest her only conspiracy. book. No, she has... Why, Men and marrying bitches. I'm gonna give her the benefit of the doubt and say she might be a 60 year old woman. That's that's all I'm gonna give her. That's it. That's the most I'm gonna give her. All right, I'll grant you that. I again and again I keep making notes in this book about like, hey, good point. Too bad it's delivered in this terrible way, and yeah. too bad she contradicts herself a couple sentences later. I made a list of things I liked and a list of things I didn't like in this book, and surprisingly. They're actually about the same amount. But for example, I'm going to say, you know, she has a paragraph about like, don't compete with women, which is good advice. Don't compete with anybody. That person's probably not competing with you. And if they are, then that's that's a woman who has to work on herself. But then she has a whole section. Do you remember? Um, she yes. gives the scenario where she is taken to a boxing match. A first date at a boxing match and a ring girl comes out. Right. Who's uh, doing her job that she's getting paid money for. And she's that's wearing, not acknowledged. No, not at all. No, she she she's there to be sexy and to get attention. Right. Not to get she's probably doing it for free exactly i mean who wouldn't it's a saturday night i don't need to pay my rent Mm-mm. why don't i put on a bikini and walk around with a sign specifically to piss off women and to steal your amazing date who by the way took you to a boxing match who doesn't seem that doesn't seem bad to me but in this story that is the worst thing that could ever happen uh-huh. not being taken to a bar where the guy gets so drunk that he can't drive you home safely but Sa- yeah safety <laughs> safety is important he could drive me home there's I forgot what name I called him, but it was Mr. Whoever's, Mr. Johnny's Wild Ride back home. Yeah, so so it says so like her big triumph is that she didn't acknowledge this other woman. And every time the woman came out, she would reach like under her chair. I'm imagining her actually putting her head under her yeah, chair yeah. to reach for a water <laughs> like bottle. Ostrich. Yeah, exactly. I don't see it. It's not <laughs> happening. And then in the story, the boyfriend cannot stop complimenting her on the way home because this woman doesn't exist by herself. She only exists in the context of other women. Exactly. Which is a theme for this book. It is, absolutely. So that's great advice, but it is not supported. Hey, honey, I w- we went to the boxing match and I was, you're the only one I could put my eyes on. I couldn't even look at that I skink. was w- wiping my eyes all over you. <laughs> what skink? 
I don't I don't know what you're talking about. I was just drinking my water. Was there another was there anybody any other women in the room? I didn't even see them. What are you talking about? You know what I didn't see is those two really strong men. Those very physically fit men. Like where was that? Oh no, no, that is in the book though. And I don't think that that's I don't think that's okay either. She uses that example. I Barbara, no, I love your example. I love every example you ever give. Wait, but she gives one later. You don't have to say that. No, you're my twenty. <laughs> she gives an example later on in another chapter, which should be called how to get your man to do your chores for you, I guess. But she uses the example of she needs, I think it's even putting up a shelf and she can't get her, it might be the nagging chapter. She cannot uh-huh. get oh, yeah. boyfriend to put up the shelf. So she goes next door and she gets the neighbor and she goes, oh, I, yeah. I don't know how to put up a shelf. Do you think you could come over and do it for me? And then her husband sees, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, Stanley come over and put up the shelf. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to put up all the shelves from now on. That's right. Yeah. Let's buy some more shelves just so we can put them up. Yeah. Hey, lady, you know what you should do, lady? You should borrow a power drill from your twin sister like I did and put up a shelf. I am so proud of you that you put up a shelf, Vera. I did. And it's 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 one of your many talents. Thank you. This has been the twin complimentary hour. (laughs) If you don't have a twin, compliment your friend. Yeah. They don't even have to look like you, but it helps. It, it helps. Yeah. There's one more little scenario that I think really sums up this book. Let's hear it. Barbara, also my name. What? Told a funny story of how she engaged her husband. Let me stop you right there. A woman telling a funny story? Okay, continue. <laughs> oh, we have so much to talk about on this podcast. <laughs> these are good times to be talking about these things. Barbara told a funny story of how she engaged her husband in helping her one lazy Sunday afternoon. She sneaked down into the garage when her husband wasn't looking and figured out which circuit breaker turned off the lights oh, to the part of the house shit. he was in. Then she flipped it off and tiptoed back into the house and pretended as though she had no idea what happened. Honey, I'm scared. What happened to the power? And then I'm not even going to finish the story. This is just the next sentence. He'd never think she had the brains to turn off a circuit breaker, period. If he did not think that she had the brains to turn off a circuit breaker, they should have not been married. No, no. She should be institutionalized. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He can, I don't know, it's probably too late to annul it because they've been married for 40 years. And she she should not be allowed in any part of the house where she could endanger her life or the life of her loved ones. She should be in a playpen. Yes. How many flushes do we give this book? (laughs) Are we pushing the little button or the (laughs) button with two drops on it? Well, I don't add a 248 pages. I think this is a, this is a two drop. Okay. Okay. Sherry, good job. Whoever you are, dude. (laughs) I'm sure it was real. It was relevant. Has your wife read this? Yeah. (laughs) Good question. It was entertaining. We're, we're, you know what, Vera, this is setting us off on a journey to find the ultimate dating advice book. One that actually resonates, that maybe is timeless, that is healthy. This is the bar that we are stepping over. Well put. Thanks. We are stepping over this book and we are going to find some much better books. But this has been a very entertaining look to one man's (laughs) idea. He might have met a woman in his life. He's probably seen one on television. Mm Mm-hmm. He might have, he, perhaps he's talked to one at a grocery store. And he, he managed to put together all these words and write a national bestseller. So kudos to him. Please don't ever read this book <laughs> if you're feeling vulnerable. 